becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger straight around the corner. It's a dream that you to make real. Is that what it says? Pass, pass, game. We haven't done drugs in a long time. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome to Shores, everyone. <laughs> to the Shores. Okay. We got a few thoughts swirling around tonight. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. We might talk about ideas, mm-hmm. branding, and products. Yeah. A little off topic for us, usually. Yeah. <laughs> Wisdom. Predicting the future. Yeah. Does the future, does knowing the future or participating, the, partic- uh, uh, participate in the future? What is that word? I'm Anticipating. Looking? Anticipating the future. <laughs> it's and, two weeks in a row. And participating in it. <laughs> um, and then you were making a tie into the institution of marriage. Oh yeah. Yeah. Marrying for love versus the idea or institution of marriage. <clears throat> well, let's start with ideas. Something you said before the podcast was that at your company, you don't, you want to sell an idea, not coffee. Mm. Is that the way you put it? Yeah. It's it, coffee's it's, it's bigger than the coffee. It's, it's something like, that's why we made named Medici Medici and not like lava Java coffee espresso company, you know, <laughs> surely there is some company out there called lava java <laughs> there really is just yeah. dissed on them hard I did. there was one over there by ut uh um it was called lava java yeah that's why i threw in some extra words so i'd mask it a little bit <laughs> so why is that important well i think you know there's this uh, this this week i started uh i was kind of i came across a steve jobs uh he was giving a presentation to the people at apple about their new um think differently um sort of ad campaign and he goes in to explain like you know we want to sell, we we sell computers but we want to sell computers to people who want to change the world and basically his, the whole the whole thing about it was more of like we're selling an idea we're not just selling computers mm. and so you know when you have a great product and a big idea it seems pretty stellar. You know, you think about, uh, I was listening to some, uh, another podcast and I don't forget who it was, but they were mentioning about like, you know, Nike, you know, you're not buying the shoes and they never tell you that, Oh, these soles are better than these, these other soles over here. And it's always just do it. And they're showing somebody in action, celebrating the athletes. And that's a really good point. Nike doesn't like <clears throat> enumerate why their product is good. Mm-hmm. But supposedly it's a, it's a very high quality product, you mm-hmm. know, uh, I just don't know enough about shoes to tell you a hundred percent that that's true. <laughs> so they're selling a story a hundred percent. Yeah. If the product sucked, then they wouldn't be able to keep selling the story. I mean, they have to build the product that supports the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, but then there's also, we've, we've mentioned this before, but, uh, you know, Red Bull, you know, the product sucks but they've built such a great story that, mm-hmm. yeah. you, you know, people want to participate. Tell that be, story. Cause you were telling me <clears throat> that like they studied it and, and basically no one likes Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody likes Red Bull, but the, the, the genius behind it. And that's kind of like, I think they teach us in a lot of marketing is, is that they marketed it so well that, you know, the taste of it's just not, 
even a part of it. It's but it's like, not even like people don't like it. They dislike it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet they're this massive, this massive brand. I mean, I don't, and they're sold in every gas station. Yeah. I don't drink Red Bull, but I think it's a badass brand. You know, guys jumping from space, free falling, uh, all the surfer videos I watch of Red Bull guys, you know, they're on F1. Uh, yeah. They put their logo on everything badass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so you want to be a part of that, that story or that idea. (laughs) I saw a Red Bull, uh, maybe like an Instagram post recently where a guy was on a dirt bike and he like went off this massive jump on the edge of a cliff <laughs> and he and the motorcycle had separate parachutes. So he just like soared through the air and then like pulled the rip cord and they both parachuted down. And it's like, why would you do that? Cause it's awesome. <laughs> um, well, so with the Red Bull story though, was it <clears throat> that they, they made a product that was unfortunately bad, but they were so good at marketing. They're still around. Mm-hmm. Cause I thought it was more like, <clears throat> they intentionally made the product bad or is that just a, like a retconning of the story? I don't believe so. I, uh, when I was, when I read that or listened to someone talk about it one time, uh, I've, I've forgotten the, maybe the details of okay. it, but I think it's more the fact of the matter that most people dislike <laughs> Red mm-hmm. Bull, the taste of it. Right. But they also sell just shit tons of Red Bull. Right. <laughs> It's just super fascinating. But I mean, it's, again, it's like you start looking at all the brands that you're a part of and you want to be associated with. REI, you know, there's right. something about that, the rugged but sophisticated mm-hmm. outdoors person. Yeah. You know, um, Chanel, uh, Versace, uh, you know, there's all these names that just to be associated with the brand sort of tells somebody something about you mm. that you signal or uh, signal something about you to somebody else. Like, yeah. Oh, wow. Look at that person. He wears REI. He must be an outdoorsman or Patagonia, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, it's easy to take that and say, well, that's the manipulation of marketing mm-hmm. and they're <clears throat> tapping into your vanity to look a way that you want people to see you. Mm-hmm. But actually I think that there's something much more deep going on there. Mm which is maybe it's easier to enter the idea through your point about <clears throat> you want to sell an idea, not just coffee and Steve jobs saying, we're going to sell a computer that people will use to change the world. Mm-hmm. And I think like my response to that is it seems to me that that's the only way to make something or sell something mm-hmm. is there has to be an, a transcendent idea outside of the product. Mm-hmm. Because you can't just say, well, we're going to make a good product. You can't just say we're going to make a good computer. Because what is a good computer? That's defined by what you do with it. Hmm. And what makes it good is that it is maximally helpful in you doing what it is that you want to do. You know, it's the same with coffee. You could say, I want to make good coffee, but what does that mean? I mean, it's pretty subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, people like their coffee all kinds of different ways, Yeah, but you want everybody to say the coffee's good. So how do you do that? We have a bunch of different kinds of coffee mm-hmm. to serve a bunch of different kinds of people. And part of coffee is the experience. It's the aroma. It's the, the, it's like tied to an activity, sitting and drinking, sitting and sipping, or being on the go, getting somewhere. Um, and so the experience of 
the coffee actually matters a lot too. It's not just the taste. And the experience is nested in something that's a lot more like community. Mm -hmm. Well, what's that? You're starting to get into this idea. The idea. Mm -hmm. I want to sell an idea, not just good coffee. So if you you make a statement like, I want to sell good coffee or I want to sell or make a good computer, um, you you literally cannot do it without there being an idea behind that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the same, you know, for any good brand. Like if you went to REI and you said, what's the idea behind REI? And they were like, oh, we just want to make good clothes. I think that would kind of shock you. Mm -hmm. Like you can't sustain as a company and people continue to buy your stuff with no idea behind it. Yeah. Unless that's what they really focused on was it's like, you know, uh, Carhartt, you know, for the working man, you know, it's a, but everything has a, but there's an idea yeah, behind an idea. that. Exactly. Which is that there's something like a working man and there mm-hmm. are things that serve the working man and make that man's life better. Mm-hmm. You know, totally. I mean, again, coming to coffee it's like, you know, there's black rifle coffee that hits the sort of like veterans and, you know, guns and, free freedom and you know they, they kind of have this whole the thing. right wing coffee shop yeah, yeah exactly you know and then you have like you know uh, uh other coffee shops that have more um maybe uh you know charity oriented you know 20 uh, percent of this goes to the rainforest in brazil to help with this farm or something right. like that and um so there's all these ways that we kind of like are trying to tell these stories you know, and it, it, and again, it's like, it, it, this almost kind of sounds like we're cheapening it a little bit, but in that, you know, in order to have a good brand, you have to tell a good story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's all, that's, that's all that we all want that, you know? And I think that's hard for me. I don't communicate. I don't think what Medici is very well, uh, in this, in this kind of idea of branding. Cause I think much of this stuff really turns me off in general. You know, it, it feels cheap marketing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think that's, I think it's a disservice in a sense to, mm-hmm. to the people who work for me and the people who, um, you know, come to Medici is sort of like, it's like, no, Michael, you need to tell a better story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, you've got good coffee, you've got good baristas. Well, maybe that's, you know, it's like, it's maybe like, that's, um, <clears throat> I'm, so, so I'm, I'm, uh, I want to try to recapitulate <clears throat> the two sides of it because mm-hmm. there's the one side where you say, well, people buy REI because they like that it makes them seem rugged and outdoorsy. Mm -hmm. And I think generally we think of marketing in that way, manipulative, Mm -hmm. it's lying. Um, But it it also is the case that most people are some, well, everybody's outdoorsy. Mm -hmm. This idea that there's outdoorsy people and not outdoorsy people, there's some truth to that, but Mm -hmm. everybody goes outdoors, right? So REI is saying for when you go outdoors, we've, we're going to, serve that and they've made it accessible, mm-hmm. you know, um, to everyone. So like when you think I've got a camping trip where you just think, you know, I need something that's going to hold up in the winter and I'm not too worried about the way I look like, I don't, I don't need to look super nice or whatever. It's like, you're probably going to think I need a, you know, Patagonia, uh, sweater or mm-hmm. something. Um, so there's truth to that. So, if you're telling a story, are you, you telling a truthful story or are you lying? Mm-hmm. And that that's the distinction is always possible. 
in any story that you're going to tell. So maybe marketing suffers the same problem is that when you lie in marketing, it it's terrible. It's terribly manipulative, manipulative at scale, hmm. which is what makes it so gross. Yeah. But if you tell the truth, well, you're, you're serving people then and transforming people and pulling people into something transcendent. And hmm. that's good. Yeah. You know, and I think about that. I, I struggle with it too, because you know, the things that I wish to promote in my life, whether it's our podcast or my music or my writing, you know, I really struggle with just even posting to social media because I feel like I feel vain or like trying to draw attention to myself. Um, but really it, it, that's not exactly true. I'm not trying to draw attention to myself. I'm trying to draw attention to the the fruits of my efforts mm -hmm. to my art. And isn't it good to draw attention to your art? I'm not at telling people they have to like it, Yeah, but you know, I've made this point many times that I think with arts, with art may, and maybe it's true of a lot of different things. Like you make something could be art or it could be a product. Once you've made it, it it's its own thing. Like it's only attached to you in that, like, your name is a byline on it. You know, it goes out and has its own relationship with the world, kind of like a child. And wouldn't you want to push, you know, support that and push that out on its way? So if you think about marketing as I'm telling a good story, I'm spreading the good news about this thing. And the fact that I'm attached to it is, you know, somewhat inconsequential other than it makes it so that I have a responsibility to tell the story of this. Mm -hmm. And if I benefit, you know, and if I benefit from that, you know, maybe I'll feel guilty about it. And if it, if it doesn't bring me benefit, well then maybe I feel shame. And so you don't do it or you start manipulating the story that you're trying to tell and you start lying about it because you're simply trying to make something be successful mm -hmm. rather than telling a true story. And now you're on the lying side of marketing and it's gross. Well, you think about too, like with just even the idea of spokespeople for certain brands, you know, whenever someone becomes a spokesperson of a brand, there's certain stipulations that come with that. Like you need mm -hmm. to act a certain way and not maybe do certain activities. Uh, because if, if you're going to sign on the dotted line, it's like when you're out in public, you represent our, our brand. Yeah. For example, I mean, the first, first thing that came to my mind, uh, was youth pastors because <laughs> growing up, I knew a lot of them and a lot of my friends became that. And yeah. a lot of them had, you know, especially in the Bible belt where I grew, where we grew up, mm -hmm. it's like they weren't allowed to drink within a certain radius of the zip code they worked in. That was a stipulation that came along with that, with being a spokesperson of the church. Yeah. I mean, you see that, you know, where certain brands will drop sponsors, uh, or drop people that they're sponsoring because you know, their image in the newspaper or something like that, you know, uh, Tiger Woods gets in a car accident after drinking or something like that. Or I think he may be like prostitutes or whatever it might be. Right. And it's like, okay, no, that doesn't represent our brand. So we're going to distance ourselves from you mm -hmm. because we're telling a story that's calling people to action. And obviously there's, there's a, there's a darker side to this too, as far as profit motives and, you know, that kind of stuff too. So it's, it's I don't know, I don't know which way, 
I think we're talking pretty heavy more on the motivation and the inspirational part of it. I'm finding it fascinating to continue drawing out the distinction, though, because, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's profit motives. Mm -hmm. You know, there kind of has to be, otherwise the game is over. Mm. Um, And if you're going to make something good, you have to have a transcendent idea. You have to have something you're calling people into. Mm -hmm. And if you're, you know, I don't know, Nike or Wheaties or whatever, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. you're... So you, you get Tiger Woods as a spokesperson because he is representative of the idea that people are being drawn into mm-hmm. rightfully and truthfully and supported by your good product that you're making, whether it's the Nike shoes or the Apple computer. And if that man starts representing the opposite of the story that you're telling, you have a responsibility to distance yourself from him. Mm-hmm. Because then you can't tell the story that you're trying to tell and you can't make the good product because you no longer have the good story. Hmm. But then it get icky a little bit in some, some regards as far as like, you know, I think we've seen this in, in political parties as far as like, you know, um, you know, if you're a Republican or a Democrat and like what that says about your business. Right. And it might not even be anything about what your business is about, but you know, let's say, you know, you're, uh, you know, I don't know, own a coffee shop and you're a Republican. Well, if you're in a democratic area, that's going to be, if you're outed or whatever you want to call it, it's like, that's like, you know, they can be like, that can affect your brand. Or if you're in a Republican, you know, city and you're a Democrat owning a coffee shop, it's like that also can negatively affect your, your business, you know? So it's, it's, I think it's interesting, like how even some things that might not be necessarily, uh, you know, good or bad, like what party you're a part of, Hmm. I guess, depends who you ask (laughs) or whether, you know, you have a certain belief system, you know, that, that how that can also get entangled into your, um, into your brand and the story gets shifted to maybe something that's tangential or, or, um, inconsequential to what you're actually selling, you know? Well, I would, I guess I would push back and say, I don't think it's inconsequential. Hmm. Yeah. Because I don't think it's just, so let's, let's stick with the political parties in the coffee shop. Okay. So you're a Republican coffee shop owner in Austin, Mm -hmm. downtown Austin. And people find out that you're Republican and they just, they dislike it. You know, mm-hmm. and you say, oh, that's icky. Like, why are you, why are you conflating my political motivations or my political position with my coffee? It's good coffee. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, just drink the coffee. Yeah. Um, but I don't, th- it, and it is in part conflation, but I think it is also in part that, again, in order for it to be good, it has to be nested in a story. It has to be nested in an idea. And mm-hmm. what is that idea? Well, you know your idea is nested in a Republican worldview. Hmm. And now that the political parties have separated so much, you're, you have completely set different sets of values. So hmm. you can't, you can't tell a coherent story hmm. to the people who are coming for the story. Yeah. I mean, they're coming for coffee, but they're coming for good coffee and good coffee is nested in a story. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it used to be such that, both political parties were nested in a shared idea Hmm. and that shared idea was America. And I don't think that they're really nested in the same idea anymore. Yeah. 
it's not the parties aren't separated by different opinions about issues anymore. Mm-hmm. It's it's they're nested in different stories now. And so I can kind of see why that would be, you know, why that coffee shop probably wouldn't do very well. Hmm. And, you know, equally in the reverse, mm-hmm. you know, go put a coffee shop run by a Democrat in, I don't know, what's a Texas city that's very Republican, like almost any of them, except for the three <laughs> big ones. Yeah. You know, and you're going to have the same issue. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's, that's interesting. Cause I've, I think that's one thing I've always distanced myself from being a spokesperson of Medici and being a personality of Medici, uh, because that's not something that I, uh, I really want, you know, it's like, I like mm-hmm. the idea of that, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you come into Medici mm-hmm. and it doesn't have those ties. And right. It, but it's interesting because everybody wants you to, wants you to make those distinctions, you know, like I'm for this and I'm against that. And there's, I think there's plenty of places that do that, you know, and I, I, it's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, it's like, but I think that's hard. Even when I'm thinking about how to identify, how to build a building a brand around Medici, it's like, it's pretty obtuse. It's pretty ethereal as far as like, you know, we don't have things that, you know, like, you know, you know, we don't support PETA or something like that. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, it's not that Pete is bad, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, and it's the thing is like, I think that over the last two years I've seen that it's like, if you don't support something that means you're against it. And that's mm-hmm. been a really yeah. interesting silence is violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you can't, you can't allow spaces for people to just be who they are and bring themselves there. So I think that's something that mm-hmm. anyways, I, I don't want to get too far into that, but I think that's always been the problem I've had is like, like I want to provide a space for people that come from all different backgrounds and not have a, a political or religious or, right. You know, it's like, so how do you craft that? I think that's why I like to really liked Apple is like people who want to change the world, you know, think differently. It's not like saying, think like me, here's what you should think. Mm-hmm. It's just think differently. They leave it vague enough right. that a Republican or a Democrat could come into that space and, they would say they would say they're thinking differently, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe I wanted to clarify that I think yeah. that the, the the political parties and coffee shop example mm-hmm. applies if the owner is sort of like identifying as and outspoken about, yeah. and part of their their worldview is political. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you know, there's plenty of people who are that way. Totally. <clears throat> I don't think you're that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that you're a Republican or a Democrat coffee shop owner, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think of you as politically motivated. Yeah. So that works well. Mm-hmm. Like I think Medici would work just as well in Austin as it works in Odessa or Amarillo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I like about it, but also, you know, do you lose yourself by not, by not identifying, you know, with, cause I see it's the whole idea too, is like, you know, I'm a Christian or I'm a Muslim or I'm a, it's like, you start saying I'm this, uh, like, you know, uh, a guy I was talking about, you know, we were talking about, uh, uh he's, he's gay and he was just, we were talking about like, you know, like that is a part of who he is. It's not who he is, you know, it's like, <laughs> and so we were just talking about all those different aspects of like, like these are things that are, uh, are a part of me, but that's not who I am in totality. Mm-hmm. 
And so how do you, you know, I think it's hard to, it's easier to sort of identify under a single banner and have that, that sort of, um, I think it draws people. Like I was just kind of noticing like, you know, a black racket rifle, rifle coffee, you know, it's very Republican. Mm-hmm. And so if you're Republican, then, you know, it's like you kind of, you would tend to lean towards maybe supporting black rifle coffee. You know, right. it's like, Oh yeah, they're like me, you mm-hmm. know? Um, you know, you do see that too with, well, people. it's really interesting because it's sort of a good tactic, mm, yeah. but it's also limiting, right? Like you, mm. you immediately limit your customer base to half of the United States. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, a risk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the thing is like, you know, cause that's the thing when we meet somebody, the first thing we want to do is like, you know, what do we have in common? Yeah. Like you're looking for something that, you know, you're at a party and you don't know anybody there. And, you know, this is given that you are wanting to have conversation, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which you only caveat. Cause you're like, I would never be at a party and want to have a conversation. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're trying to find common ground and like in advertising that common ground, it could be like a shirt you're wearing. Mm-hmm. You're like, Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm into airsoft also, you know, right. <laughs> or whatever it might be. You're wearing yeah. airsoft t-shirts. I, I was thinking of my son. And so there's common ground right there. And, and all of a sudden you can kind of step into a relationship a lot quicker that way because yeah. it's, it's well-defined, you know? Oh, I want to change the world. I want to think differently. Mm-hmm. Apple's the product for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And you start geeking out. That's mm-hmm. like a term that you'll say a lot mm-hmm. <clears throat> or people will say a lot. You, you find something in common and you kind of geek out on it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It reminds me of something C.S. Lewis says in his book, the four loves. He said, friendship is like two people sitting together and seeing the same thing. Hmm friends sit next to each other facing the same direction. Whereas lovers in Eros, Eros love, mm-hmm. they, f- they sit and face each other. Hmm. They see each other where friends don't see each other. They see the same thing. Hmm. Um, which by the way, we are, um, we are doing a book club on that book, the four loves, hmm. uh, just internally our, our friend group. Um, we're going to read it over the next, I think two months. So we'll probably be talking about it on the podcast. So I wanted to put it out there. <laughs> if you would like to read the book also, yeah. yeah, you'll probably hear us talk about it. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting to, to think about that. Cause I, one thing when you were at the very beginning, when you were talking about this is it's also a call to action, you know, let's just say I'm, I've been sitting on the couch for a long time and I'm like, man, I need to get out and do something okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to REI and buy some clothes and mm-hmm. buy some gear. Right. And it's sort of like, you know, you could be, you could kind of be seen as a, um, as a pretender or whatever you call that. Uh, mm. yeah, a pretender. But the thing is, is like, that's kind of where it starts sometimes. So you have these brands that sort of call you into action, you know, uh, you know, I go buy the gear and therefore I kind of feel like I am that person and then you start to act out that person. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you are that person. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, everyone knows that from, uh, you know, maybe from high school to college is like, you know, or even in high school, it's like you, you start to pretend that you're something. And then before you know it, you know, maybe a musician, you pretend that you're a musician. Right. <laughs> and at some point along the way, you become a musician. Right. You know, and it's not when you, if you have a guitar, if you pick up a guitar, you're a musician, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, 
So whether it's starting a business or, or whatever, there's a, there's an element of pretending and whether it's our culture or religions or brands that sort of, sort of like help us to sort of embody those ideas and sort of like put on the clothes and the, and act the character of that before it actually becomes a part of you or you are that person, you know? I think, I think that's really, it's really important. I think everything starts as pretend or at least anything you attempt to do. You might sort of learn a skill accidentally, let's say, but I don't know, a couple examples that flip through my brain are, um, like a new relationship. Hmm. It's like you pretend to some degree, I'm going to pretend like you like me back. Mm-hmm. And in some sense, that's what makes you like me is that I'm <clears throat> extending, I'm showing you something past friendship. Mm-hmm which is based on in some way, like hope. I hope that you like me. And so I'm going to pretend like you do. And then you do. And it's like, I think it's why we say that people fall in love. I mean, in part it's a, it's a, it's an apt description because it feels like falling, like you can't really control it. But I also think it's falling too, because you're almost always, um, sort of out over your skis. Like you're pretending like things are more serious than they are. And that's kind of the weight that pushes them in that direction. Um, it's good that hormones and all that stuff, all that supports it. Yeah. (laughs) It works in your advantage in that area. Right. Um, like another example is, so my daughter has, she made the eighth grade cheerleading team and she's been cheering at the eighth grade football games. And I've been going every week, um, to watch her cheer and watching the eighth grade football game. And I was just kind of like sitting there last week and watching Estella, my daughter and her cheerleader teammates. Is that what you call them? Teammates, Mm -hmm. um, do their thing. And, you know, partly just really surprised at how good they are. And then I'm watching these eighth grade boys play football and surprised by how real it looks Mm -hmm. like, cause I'm thinking these kids are 13 years old. They don't know what they're doing. You know, and I watched a kid run and catch a pass and <laughs> I feel so nervous that I'm going to say the right words talking about this. <laughs> um, he ran and caught a pass, <laughs> right? That made sense. Yeah, and sense. run into the end zone and did this little dance. And I thought that wasn't like a natural thing. Hmm. He's imitating someone. Mimicry. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's pretending that he's a football player. Mm-hmm. And he just caught that pass and made a touchdown and oh shit, he is a football player, hmm. but he had to pretend first in order to become. Yeah. And it's the same with the cheerleaders you know, they're being taught, but they don't know what they're doing. And I can see them all taking it very seriously. And, you know, they're worried about their moves and the way that they look and they're, they're acting like a cheerleader. Mm-hmm but they're not cheerleaders. Like they just started doing this, right? (laughs) So they're pretending. And as they're pretending, they're actually, well, suddenly they're actually doing it. It's like, Oh wow, you are a cheerleader. It's kind of an act of becoming. It's It's there's no, there's no one place where you actually are that thing that you're pretending to be. Right. It's almost surprising to yourself 
like even like, you know, I pretend to be an entrepreneur and then all of a sudden, you know, many years later, I'm like, wait, I'm doing it. (laughs) It's happening. Right. And then you still feel like you're pretending, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that you hear a lot from people who are successful, the having, be feeling like imposters. Yeah. Imposter syndrome. Uh-huh. We all know what that is mm-hmm. because we all at least feel like we are pretending. Mm-hmm. It's, it's cause you are. Yeah. Even the people who set the definition for something are mm-hmm. pretending. And we've talked about that before, like the Michael Jordans or the Michael Jacksons who mm. pave away and become better than anybody ever was. Mm. They're pretending. Mm-hmm. Because they're outside of the model now. What's outside the model? Something like self-creation. Well, it's even to the fact that they know they're not what everybody thinks they are. Like, you know, Michael Jackson is not the person you see on the screen or on the, on the stage. He's, that's a part of him. That's an aspect of him. And so whenever people approach you and, and treat you like the person on the stage you know, you can kind of like, yes, but also no, that's not who I am. And so I think that's kind of where the imposter syndrome comes from is because there's, there's a lot more to you than maybe what is being portrayed. Like, you know, whether the guy who buys REI clothes, it's sort of like, yes, that's an aspect of him outdoors person or whatever, you know, but that's not all that he is or she is, you know, and like I could be a mother, a father, a son, a daughter, uh, is also a musician, you know, and there's a lot of other aspects. I think that's the part that's, that's hard is whenever an aspect of ourselves is overemphasized and we tend and it actually becomes larger than life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's bigger than who we are. <clears throat> or you see, um, <clears throat> I watched recently, actually I'm only halfway through it, but the new Elvis biopic. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that yet. With Tom Hanks as uh-huh. his manager. Uh, it's interesting. It's very different than I expected it to be. But Elvis is a great example. Like Elvis was a caricature of Elvis. Hmm. Like there was no real Elvis. Hmm. Elvis was pretending to be himself. At least later on, you know, in his life when he was doing sort of the Vegas shows and stuff, he was putting on an act. Hmm. He was acting like Elvis. Well, I think there's a, there's a certain, I think that's also a problem that we do, we have in it or it symbolizes also a problem that we have is that I think I mentioned this last podcast was like, that's something that my daughter is going to be graduating this year. And that's one thing that I'd like for her to understand is like, you will become a different person than who you are now. And I think that's the hardest thing is dying to your future self or to your past self and, and becoming your future self. And that anytime that you get stuck you know, in a caricature of who you are, like, like Michael Jackson on the stage, it's sort of like, you know, you, you have to be able to find space and place to be more than that. And I think you see, Mm. you see the movie stars who do that really well in that they, they have something else outside of just being a movie star. Like I always think of like Tommy Lee Jones, you know, like he seems like a very put together guy, Mm. but it's like he doesn't completely identify himself as the movie star Tommy Lee Jones. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think there's something healthy in that. Well, maybe that's why there is such a thing as celebrities. Because hmm. you, <clears throat> you hear a song or see a performer, watch a movie, mm-hmm. and you feel something, you're moved by it. And you, and you don't just... You, you don't stop there. You don't think, oh, all the content that I'm being moved by is in that movie. 
mm-hmm. in that in that performance by that actor. Hmm. You you immediately want to go, well, who is this person? Hmm. Like you feel like you're getting something from beyond the screen, and it's something like who they are, what's going on in their life. Mm-hmm. And it's not just sheer curio or like morbid curiosity, you know, or even I was going to say attraction because a lot of celebrities obviously are attractive, but I mean, maybe it is attraction. Maybe that's the thing is you're attracted to the idea behind the content, which is the person, mm-hmm. which is really similar to the sort of thing we laid out at the beginning, the, the idea not just the coffee. Mm-hmm. You're attracted to the idea, not just the performance, not just the the role that the actor played. Yeah. Well, I think that's that might be kind of putting the. That's why I think that whole idea of marketing and and promoting is is troublesome and difficult because it's so much more than just that. You know, it's like, but in order to hmm. distinguish yourself, there's an aspect that you do have to have a focused identity that you can communicate clearly to those around you. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, everybody does this and, you know, you go to a party, everyone puts on a certain persona, you know, whatever it might be. And it does, this is not like a good or a bad thing. It's like, we all do it. It's like. Oh, he's the intellectual type <laughs> or pseudo intellectual type, you know, or he's like the, the sports guy, subtle you know, the, uh, she's the dancer or, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's, it's, you, those things are really helpful in social situations to have sort of like, you have this sort of go-to branding of who you think you are and you present to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as you get deeper, that, that starts to unravel a little bit, but you, you have to, you, it seems like it's something that's very natural to us to sort of like, you know, um, and maybe this is instinctual from like, you know, there's a, there's a protective element that, you know, many, well, I don't want to go there. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it, it just, it just makes so much sense that we all sort of have our own brand it's like if we all wore the T-shirt of our brand, you would be able to pick out across the room, okay, okay, there's that person, this person, that person, this person, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, uh, and then everyone, and then even here, oh, there's the person who doesn't want to have a label. <laughs> even mm-hmm. that person has a label, mm-hmm. you know, like don't label me. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're that person. <laughs> well, I think that it's interesting. I'm running into this at my job right now. I, I think that <clears throat> everything has a brand, whether you articulated or not. It's like, it's like the, is it Carl Jung who has that quote? Like every, everyone is acting out a myth. Mm. And if your myth is a tragedy, you want to know that. Yeah. So you can change it. Mm -hmm. Right. And stop acting out that myth and and act out a different one. Yeah. I mean, it's the same with brand. Um, everything has a brand, every, every person, let's say, and every company, mm-hmm. every, every company has a brand. Every person has a brand, whether you know it or not, mm-hmm. 
like you said earlier, if you can't spot the fool at the table, <laughs> it's probably you. Yeah. So you might not know what your brand is. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you don't have one. Yeah. And, and I think that's why actually it's so important for companies, especially <clears throat> to actually articulate their brand. So you might say, oh, this company doesn't have a brand. We need to establish a brand. That's not exactly true because what do you do to establish a brand? You don't just sort of pick things. Yeah. You don't just like pick things that go well together and there's our brand. It's like you look at yourself. Hmm. Who are we? What do we act like? What are we acting like we value? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then you might say, well, I don't like those things that we're acting like we value. Hmm. So what do we want to value? And you lay that out <clears throat> and then you start acting that way. So a brand is partly emergent and discovered because you have one whether you know it or not. And then partly created as a declaration of hope, a declaration of an ideal. Hmm. This is the way we want to be. And then that becomes a guiding principle. You show up and you say, well, is this on brand or not? Hmm. You're, you're using that as a proxy to say, does it align with our higher idea? Does it align with our story? And it's the same with you as an individual at a party in your example, you have, you know, you, you have a brand, whether you know it or not, you might be the fool. Mm-hmm. And if you are, you should probably want to know that. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas people who are successful in social interactions, I think have some idea of who they are. It's like, they know their brand mm-hmm. and, and that can even be painful sometimes, you know, it's like you meet people at a party and it's like, oh, okay, you're that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Like <laughs> it's kind of shallow. You just play your part. Mm-hmm. It's kind of boring after two interactions or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It almost, I mean, it, it does, I mean, I could see sort of a reaction to this is that kind of cheapens the individual um, as far as, you know, everybody has a brand and that can sound so commercial. Um, I mean, is there a better, I mean, better way to kind of state that that's outside of maybe branding and, um, uh, kind of marketing kind of terms? Like, I mean, you could say like everybody has a certain personality or, uh, a, a perspective on life that everyone has a part they play a part they play. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think branding, this is, is so helpful because it is a little bit more, uh, detached and helps to express something that you're portraying something you're where you have a billboard and this is what, this is what you're saying. You mm-hmm. might not know what you're saying, but mm-hmm. this is, so then, you know, you can either own that or change that into something different because we do see that in like our, 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 our kids, you know, like, what am I about? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to be about anime and, mm-hmm. you know, Japanese culture or something like that. You know, you, you kind of start picking things that you like right? and then you, that's who you are. And, uh, and then somebody else likes the same thing that you like. Well, then you shift and do something different, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or you're the kid who sees what everybody else is doing and you wear the same t-shirt, you know, right. uh, there's, there's all these ways that we somewhat want to identify or distinguish ourselves yeah, from, right. from people. Hmm. Well, we're in a constant 
tension between wanting to fit in and stand out. Mm. And to varying degrees. And some people want to stand out a lot Mm -hmm. and other people would like to not stand out almost at all. Mm. But we all, to some degree, want to fit in and we want to fit in as us, as individuals to have that being, have that fitting in be valued. Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, you have to be individuated. And so you have to stand out to some degree and your intention with that, you're fighting with it. That's interesting. That does seem kind of like a flux, you know, uh, kind of an order and chaos kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I, I don't know which one, I don't know which one would fit which is like the individual or the fitting in. I mean, if, if fitting in seems kind of like uh, the order aspect yeah. and then the individuating is more of the chaos right. because you're out by yourself alone in a sense. And so that, but you need to mm-hmm. be around people that, that sort of like help you and orient you. I mean, yeah. You see that whenever there's times of trouble, it's like you need people around you to help you. Uh, but also in order to do something new and creative, you also have to go out on your own into the chaos and discover something. And you, it's really difficult to do that with other people. Um, I think you can, but it's like, like small groups of people, mm-hmm. right. You know, like a, a group of 30, it would be really difficult to be creative. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, there's probably more limiting factors with the larger, the larger, the, uh, the group. Hmm. I don't know if that's true, but that, that kind of just came out of my mouth. <laughs> well, the thing that I'm thinking is <clears throat> maybe the act of creativity is always breaking something down into smaller groups. You know, it's very common. You go to a conference, let's say, or something, and you know, or a workshop, and there's a group of people, and you, there's a lecture or a talk and some discussion, and it's like, we're going to break into small groups. Mm. You know, or they do it in uh, church, too. <laughs> you know, well, why would they do that? Mm. Because in order to create something, which is to encounter the chaos you have to separate from the order. Hmm. And so there's a breaking down into smaller points. Hmm. Maybe another way to say it is in order to be free of tyranny, you have to leave the tyranny. Hmm. That's the Exodus story. Yeah. So it's breaking down into a smaller group change comes by breaking down into smaller groups. That's interesting. You can kind of see the, the, the genius behind sort of the, the nations, the nation and the nation state is sort of like you have a large group that you're a part of, but then there's, there's differentiation among States Mm -hmm. and then there's differentiation among counties and then cities. And then, you know, I think you call them precincts within a city it allows that sort of individuation because it's important to have, to be able to express something that's unique about that specific place. Like someone in Washington, DC would be really hard for them to represent Travis County, you know, or, you know, like I'm precinct seven or something like that. (laughs) You know, it's like, because there's different needs and there's different ones, there's different ways that maybe that community individuates themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I think that makes a lot of sense. Like why tyrannies don't last very long is because it does, it's not representative. It doesn't allow that hmm. individuation at the local level, whether it be state county or precinct. Hmm. Um, that, yeah. Tyrannies will always eat, be eaten up from the inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, it's interesting too. I mean, so you you take extreme examples of it seems that, and I don't want to paint this picture too definitively, but the ultra, the ultra um, creatives, a lot of them seem like loners. Hmm. You know, David Goggins, mm-hmm. <laughs> or like, uh, you know, um, oh, for whom the bell tolls. What's his name? Uh, farewell to arms F Scott Fitzgerald. No, but probably him too. You know, yeah. um, Ernest Hemingway. Oh, Hemingway. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you see all these characters and they seem, I mean, even Steve jobs or, um, you know, just, I mean, I, I think if you just kind of look at a lot of like more of the extreme high impact creatives, it seems like they do have this sort of loner, loner mentality but then you see they're obsessed with an idea Mm -hmm. yeah to the expense of everything else Mm. like it makes me think of that there's that iconic picture of steve jobs sitting in his house and it's just it's like a living room with wood floors and there's nothing but a lamp and a stereo and he's (laughs) sitting on the floor like he didn't have any furniture the modern day example of that's elon musk Mm. he lives in like a fifty thousand dollar tiny house or something. Yeah. It's like so obsessed with the ideas. He doesn't have time for, you know, even his own, even, even his own well-being in some kind of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is interesting. Cause we can also, we can praise the, the creativeness and the, and the individuation of that too. But there's, there's also a sadness too that yeah. like to integrate into the whole. Right. Uh, I think it, it, I think it takes a really, uh, it's a really difficult thing for us to be balanced in that way. It's a, usually we err on one side or the other, or too integrated into the whole, or we're too, uh, too individuated, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a real dance and there might be seasons where you spend more time integrated into the whole and, and you need that. And I think it's why it's good to be a part of communities and that, but then I think it's also healthy for communities to allow people to sort of, step away for a period of time and then welcome them back in. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, but I think that that's the hard thing is, is in communities, you don't, it, that's kind of the, the, the positive aspect of it is that like it, it tries to keep people in, you know, and that's a good thing, but it's also a, a bad thing when somebody wants to step away. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you too good for us now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, whether they be like, Hey, no, you know what? You go out there, look, see what's out there. You know, we'll be right here. Mm-hmm. You know, I think different people shepherd those things differently. Like there's people that are really good about, you know, I'm good with being in this group, you know, and that's kind of my role. You know, that's, that's my brand is I'm the shepherd you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of thing. And, and but I think too, like whenever ego gets in, in the, in the way. And, you know, it's like, it becomes more about them rather than actually taking care of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see that in our politicians and stuff like that. It's like, 
it's about my personal brand, but no, you're, you're, you're actually supposed to take care of a, of a people, <laughs> you know, shepherd or, or however you want to say that steward, right. your constituents and represent them in this forum. You are representative. Mm-hmm. You are servant of the people. <clears throat> right. you know, like this, we call it public service. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you're you're supposed to actually embody us, right? And represent us, and that's your brand. <laughs> we are your brand. <laughs> yeah, but there's like a. <clears throat> but we also don't elect people because they appear to be empty vessels mm-hmm. of representation. Totally. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, there's something about that person that you identify with and that you can say like, Hey, right. That person represents me. His branding represents, represents me. <laughs> you know, I know again, that gets gross because like you, you hear all those people like, I'm going to say all the right things. I'm mm-hmm. going to do my poll and do the, say this, 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 and this <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to get that vote. <laughs> but that's technically what they're supposed to, to do is, is, is that representative hmm. in some way us. Yeah, I just keep wanting to, like, I hadn't really ever thought about it this way before this conversation, but I keep wanting to, to like, push on the idea that branding and marketing aren't always gross mm-hmm. or icky. I think you used that word earlier. Yeah. <clears throat> or at least they don't have to be. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder how we could practice or engage, whether it's in business or art or um, personal brand. Like how can we engage in the other side of that, the truthful side of that, the transcendent side of that? How could you consciously do that? Diligently do that? Yeah. Well, I think there's a part too, is like, you know, when we think about, you know, the, the, our distrust of institutions, like that's something that I think started in the seventies and eighties, we started to distrust our institutions and that sort of marketing branding. We were like, wait a minute, you're not who you say you are. And so we have a, a reaction to it, but which is interesting too, because sometimes when we have the marketing and branding aspect, it's actually, you're, you're calling yourself to be that person. Like, um, like I'm a representative and I just started this. It's like, well, depending on how you brand yourself and also how we talk about politics and politicians, you know, if we, if we continue to say like all politicians are corrupt, it's like, that's a horrible branding. We're branding that, mm. that way. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> kind of does seem that way though. <laughs> it does seem that way. <laughs> but I think there's that part too, is like, but we're also, we're also telling those people who they are and also know, reflecting something true uh-huh, yeah. to them. And so, but so that, 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 that doesn't call someone into a higher calling. It's like, if your kids are being assholes, you don't, you don't, say like, Oh, there's that little asshole. Yeah. It's sort of like you try to call them into something more and something greater. And so when the messaging is going to them that they are something, they're going to believe it and act that out. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a two way street in how, you know, we have a responsibilities to require and demand from our political leaders, our celebrities, you know, you know, Hey, we want you to lead and to represent something to us. And I think there's a, there's an interesting thing too, is like also knowing as the celebrity or the politician, like you're asking, you're asking from me something that I cannot deliver because it violates something in myself. 
you know, like, like, you know, we might be telling the entertainment industry that we want the Kardashians to represent us. Hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like, is that really, was that, is that really what we want to represent us? You know, Hmm. you know, yes, they're entertaining, but it's kind of gross in a sense too. Mm -hmm. However, it's also pretty impressive that here's this woman who has these different clothing lines and shoes. I don't know if shoes are part of it, but it's like, she's made a business and a brand that's super powerful, Mm -hmm. you know, so there's a certain responsibility you have also whenever you're in that position. I don't know. It, it seems like there's like a two way street there, you know, as far as like the, what, what we, what we ask for and what we kind of label and then also what the individual or that group mirrors back to us or also tells us who they are. And it's like, there's, there's multiple stories kind of competing and, and I think that I think more of when you start kind of looking at it, it tells us all of that tells a story of us. I think this is actually all of this makes a really good case for the need for grace. Hmm. You know, we were talking about the necessary dance between order and chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, because you don't want too much order and you don't want too much chaos, Mm -hmm. but you're always going to be correcting, you know, it's the same, I think with marketing, Mm. are you telling a truthful story? Are you calling us into transcendence? Are you spreading the good news? It's like, I think about, um, you know, okay. (laughs) Maverick top gun two. Mm Mm-hmm came out recently. I was excited about it. It was delayed by two years. So when they started putting out the marketing for it, I was jazzed. So, and I thought, well, I'm not interacting with this. Like it's marketing. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to know. And I was so glad that they told me immediately. Hmm. I wanted to know as soon as possible, when's this movie coming out? So it's like, is that marketing or is that spreading good news? Hmm. It's more like it's spreading good news. Um, so in any given marketing, it's like, are you spreading the good news? Or are you being greedy? Hmm. It's hard to tell. Sometimes it's not hard to tell. Um, but if there's a dance between what things are, and as you said, competing stories, well, which mm-hmm. story is it? It's more like a dance. It's more like a constant correction. Mm. And so you'll, you will see over time, well, does it correct in the right direction over time? Hmm. Or does it continue to skew off into manipulation? Um. And so I think that there's a necessary need for grace there. Hmm. You know, you meet someone new, they're playing a part. You're like, well, is this guy an asshole? Hmm. I, well, I, don't, I don't really know. Cause he was also seemed really kind to that other person. And you know, which, who is this person? Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they're correcting and you'll see which way they're going to correct over time. And so you need to have some grace to say, well, what, what is the meta story that's being danced around here. Hmm. It's where, what's the line in between the yin and the yang? Where is that line? Is it way skewed far over to the right? All white and not much black. Mm -hmm. Or does it seem to have some kind of balance on the whole? And I think the only reason, the only way that you can figure that out is to watch it over time, which requires grace in the moment. Hmm. Which is so interesting too, when you think about 
when you enter the story also. Mm-hmm. It's like, did you enter the story uh, when Michael is an asshole? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, and then you come back 20 years later and it's like, oh, wait a minute. Is he still an asshole? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you don't really know. It's like the whole, uh, you know, we see these, these stories all the time, the redemption stories, you know, something happened and there was an adverse reaction and, and that's at the end of the movie, you know, there was some sort of redemption part of it, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, he, he quit doing heroin or something like that, you know, (laughs) and turned his life around. But depending on where you met that person in the story, you have a completely different experience of them. Yeah. It's almost like there's different frequencies of that dance Mm. of that correction pattern. You might have a, you know, one that sort of vibrates or resonates at the level of minutes Mm. you're correcting your behavior in response to social interactions Mm. or another one in the frequency of days or another one, the frequency of years you know, you meet somebody who's kind of an asshole or possibly an asshole at a party, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then maybe I run into someone later who knows him. I'd be like, well, okay, what's he like? You know, maybe I'll check with you. You have more of the story than I have. Yeah. You know, what, what direction is this trending? Mm-hmm. You know, you might have access to a, a frequency arc of that dance that I haven't been around long enough to know. Mm. Then you go talk to their mom and <laughs> you get a different story. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, or it's like when you start dating someone, you want to meet their friends, hmm. you know, in part because you want to know, well, what are the people that they like, like, and what are the people that like them think of their story and their arc or what are they like around their friends? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you know, mm-hmm. or maybe you run a background check on the person. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That'd be so awesome. <laughs> That actually happened to me. Really? Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, to that other Matt McCloskey out there. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> with the assault charges and the DUIs, you might have <laughs> messed up that potential relationship for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's super hilarious that there would be another Matt McCloskey with like such different. Uh, <laughs> He's the anti-Matt McCloskey. Anti- <laughs> that's good. Uh, what is it called? Uh, universe three or something. Like yeah. That. Right. <laughs> Alternate universe. three. <laughs> Wait, what, which multiverse, multiverse did you run that background go. check in? <laughs> oh, that was the wrong multiverse. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Just kind of bring it around to like back to, like, you know, branding and, you know, like how we present ourselves. And I think it's, it's something that it's definitely something to, to think about as far as like, and even maybe ask people around you is like, how do you experience me? Mm-hmm. Like, like here, this is in my head. This is how I present myself. How accurate am I in that? You know, I think that's, I think it's hard because you're probably hearing things you don't want to hear, but also maybe some good things that you, you know, it's like that, Oh, you experiencing me, you experience me like this, you know? Yeah. Or maybe just even, Pay attention when people are reflecting you because they do it all the time. Sometimes like forthrightly and and articulately, they tell you you're like this, Mm -hmm. you know, and it might upset you or, or you might feel, it might be a compliment. You might feel embarrassed, Hmm. but pay attention because that is you. Maybe a part of you, you don't want to see, but you should see it because you might be that way. And, 
maybe you want to be that way. You know, maybe it's a compliment and you do want to be that way. Hmm. Um, but it's, maybe it's a way you don't want to be. And then you can't not be that way if you don't look at it and say, I don't want to be that way. True. Probably good to take a, a good sampling size. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not one or two people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good though. This is a good discussion. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, cool. Good place to leave it. I think so. All right. Thank you guys for coming out. Thanks for coming to the shores. Love you. Cheers. Cheers. Love you. Bonnie. Good night. Bonnie. Bonnie. I'm hungry. <laughs>